0: Right about now, you are listening to the Legacy and Leadership Podcast, a show where we discuss living as a leader worth following, leading others to do the same, and in doing so, leaving a legacy for future generations. My name is Jimmy Gonzalez Jr., a learning and development professional and leadership coach, sitting down with my co-host, Anthony Devon Watch Jr., an expert contact center leader that has effectively led and developed dynamic teams with high motivation. Together, we have over 30 years experience in the corporate game. Join us as we discuss our growth as leaders, share the lessons we've learned, and interview others to see how their leadership style was shaped as they were mentored by adversity. Hello, 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 legacy leaders. This is your co-host, Jimmy Gonzalez, Jr., coming at you again with episode number 11 Hey, yes uh, with my co-host anthony devon watch jr
1: oh thank heaven
0: <laughs> <laughs> appreciate everybody for listening hey three quick things that we would ask of you number one uh subscribe subscribe download like hit the little alert button if you're watching us uh, on the youtube channel we greatly uh, greatly appreciate that step number two Whether you're checking us out on the podcast, if you're watching the YouTube channel, go ahead and take a screenshot and then go to Instagram, tag me at coach underscore Jimmy G Jr. uh, or definitely uh, tag Devon as well at leadership docent uh, and then tag us at legacy leadership as well. Uh, We would appreciate that. Again, take a screenshot post it on instagram tag us leave some comments let us know what you think about the episode we would greatly 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 appreciate that absolutely uh, and then step number three share share with your friends share with your family and share with other leaders uh, that you work with that you know uh, that you feel would definitely benefit uh, and get some value again from the goodness uh, that we are dropping <laughs> for you every week every week yes sir um so if you can do those three things, again, our legacy leaders, we appreciate you guys very, very much. So what's good, man? How you doing?
1: I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. I know we were um, you know, kind of catching up a little bit before we got started here and um, just sharing with you a little bit about my day. It was a productive mm-hmm. day, um, but I'm glad some of that work is behind me. I am looking forward to watching some of these playoff games. It's uh, heating up for me, um, and I am a big fan of competition, and I got to say I am a huge fan of of petty and i just love the pettiness that uh chris paul is showing right now in this oklahoma houston series i'm here for it every minute of it um i was sharing with um you know one of uh you know one of my leaders that um i just get the sense that uh, actually my leaders and my barber um shout out to my barber uh bladed luxury um on instagram if you're in the miami area south florida area check them out Bruh's nice um, as you can see (laughs) <laughs> um but uh, i was sharing with them that like i feel like chris paul is uh more motivated to send houston home than he is to actually win a ring like i feel like if he sends houston home that would be a greater feeling that's a win for him yeah than, yeah, than actually getting a ring so uh, i'm here for it man he's a he's a, a super competitor i love that fire i love that fire and um and just leadership in general and mm-hmm. so he like personifies that to me like he's a he's a, a a leader of people uh for sure somebody who can help motivate people to get beyond the um the odds or the expectations um and he does not back down if he believes in his team and i love every minute of it
0: yeah absolutely um i have not been i haven't been watching enough uh but i think to your point too this is this is the point where i definitely need to start paying a little bit more attention so it's just been it's it's been weird you know uh, the whole season obviously with everything going on. It's like virtual reality. So, and the crazy thing, too, is I mean, I don't play video games like that, but I've seen enough. Sometimes it really does look like you're watching a video game because you have like the virtual fans in the back. And like, you know, that they're they're piping in, you know, fan noise and, and cheers. And it's just mm-hmm. it's weird. It's weird. But no, that's it's true. The, yeah,
1: that's a good call. Out. I guess. Yeah, I'm not that thrown off because I, you know, I play games pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, in fact, um, I stumbled ap- across. uh. I've I found myself inadvertently a part of like um, a new squad of gamers like you know how uh, when you usually play games together like you got your little team that you mm-hmm. that you link up with right um, so my oldest uh, Gio whenever he's at his uh, dad's like normally when he's here we, we play together he'll be on the switch I'll be on the PlayStation we'll play Fortnite. Um, and then he's been inviting like uh, his, uh, his stepbrother and you know cousins, and so we we'll end up playing a couple rounds together. And so now I've gotten some uh, respect from the <laughs> nine-year-olds and ten-year-olds. like, "Oh man, Anthony's nice on Fortnite. He's a beast, right?" So um, this week we, uh, you know, he's back with with his dad. And this boy calls me at like seven thirty, eight o'clock, or something like that. And uh, he's like, "Hey, dad," and I'm like. Mm. What's going on, man? Because he does—he n- never really calls me like that. Like when he's over at his dad's and like he's hanging out with his brother, like he's just in it, right? Yeah. We have to—we have to chase him down to just check in and see, like, hey, are you good? How things are going? So he calls me out the blue. He's like, hey, dad. I'm like, hey, what's up, champ? And then he's like, oh, nothing. What you doing? And I was like, uh I said, you know, like. My schedule hasn't really changed. So like, uh, I'm finishing up work and then, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm getting ready to eat. And I was like, why? And he's like, oh, nothing. I said, what are you doing? He's like, oh, no, just sitting here playing some Fortnite. I said, champ, did you call me to, because uh, you wanted me to hop on? He's like, I mean, if you want to. <laughs> I'm like, bah. all right, so I hop on. So now, That's cute, yeah. like, these, these past gosh i want to say maybe like four like four or five days bro i've gotten a call almost every single day from champ to hop on Fortnite with him his brother his cousins right so i like i'm sitting here gaming with these nine ten eleven year olds right for a couple of hours and um you know them just you know laughing and cracking up and yeah. you know, just doing what little kids do shut up and and I'm just like, how did I find myself here? <laughs> like, like I, I just really wanted to spend time with my son, like, how did I find myself here? But uh, he actually called me right before we started. I was like, Bob, well, you know I can't do it tonight. Like, I, I got a pod. I said, I can play tomorrow. And he's like, okay, okay, we'll try and level up without you. So yeah, I, <laughs> so now, now this has become, like, a part of my gaming life. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's probably kind of, like, because I game so much, it's probably kind of the reason why um, – it doesn't really bother me seeing like how they have it set up because you're right it is very much like uh like if you've ever played nba 2k or Mm -hmm. something like that like it's the same camera angles it's the same like the virtual fans and like the whole nine so yeah it's like the video game came to life like we're real players so that's kind of dope that's a good call out
0: yeah um so geo's trying to build him a squad he needs some assistance (laughs) trying to level up already the young buck is we've been talking about building teams yes
1: he's team building
0: he is team building building him a high power fortnite team we'll level up next time when you have a chance (laughs) that's That's funny.
1: funny that is really funny yeah sure he is he is team building he's He's going out there, he's, he's trying to attract the different type of talent, and he's like, oh, these people I'm not going to play with. And, like, if you end up playing with people that he actually likes, he ends up saving them as, a like, a, a contact. And he's like, all right, I'm, a you know, these kids. Like, oh, yeah, that kid was pretty cool. Let's see if we can friend him. And, like, you know, I can uh, save him as a contact so that we can play and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, he's, like, sitting here trying to GM a whole squad, <laughs> a whole, <laughs> whole Fortnite squad. Like, like, relax. That's
0: cool. That's cool. Oh, it's good that you had those those times, man. Those moments uh, uh, you can never get that back. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, you know, my day has been pretty good, man. Uh, I told you, you know, last night was was uh, pretty fun. Uh, actually, that was a weird situation too. So we saw uh, Tenant um, and went to the movie theater for the first time, probably since January. Um, of course. Yeah, it took yeah took that uh that step obviously we were all masked up and all that kind of stuff there wasn't a lot of people it was a monday night anyway so
1: did we go to did was it you and me who went to the movies in january when we saw was that when we saw john wick or was that before january that was before january yeah
0: that was bro that was
1: 2019 what yeah oh, man, this, this, this quarantine <laughs> got the time going crazy that's probably, like, the last time I legit I've sat down in the movies. I mean, that movie was awesome. John Wick was awesome. Oh. Last John Wick was awesome. But, uh, but yeah, so you were saying this is your first time since January um, going to the movies, and, like, uh, kind of how was the experience, man? How did they have everything, like, set up? And I
0: mean, you know, they had hand sanitizer. Obviously, you know, they had, <clears throat> excuse me, like, a lot of signs making sure that you're wearing your mask and stuff like that. But besides that, uh, now, of course, you know, when you're buying the tickets. Um, so we had Originally, we bought three tickets, and then the seats you know that are going to be next to you will be empty, right so I think they're keeping at least one seat you know empty in between um but that was it, everything else it was pretty much kind of a normal experience like i said it was it was really empty though too, so um I think that had something to do with i guess maybe feeling a little bit more normal you know as far as they checked our i think I think they did check us as we walked in um, yeah as well um. But, I mean, that type of stuff, like, you're, it's the new normal, right? So you're just kind of used to all of those things already, too. So it didn't really seem out of the ordinary. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was just crazy being back in a movie theater. So the last movie I remember seeing was with Stacey at the beginning of the year. I believe we saw um, Bad Boys. Was that Bad oh, Boys 3? Yeah. yeah, that yeah. was when it came out. I still haven't seen that. I'm asleep. You are. Super funny. <laughs> Super funny. Uh, no, it, was actually, it was actually better than, than we had expected it to be. So yeah, they they delivered for sure, but um but yeah so did that last night today you know kind of a, another normal day at work same um, yeah same challenges and, and you know kind of uh, same stuff that we're working on you know projects still going on and stuff like that so just moving moving forward bro moving forward um, mm-hmm. but I definitely want to you know to get back into this conversation so we've uh, kind of been doing a little bit of a, a series over the last couple of episodes. You know we talked about uh, building a high power team and and that word affinity and what you know what that really means and the benefits of having a team uh, with high levels of affinity and we took a little bit of a step back again and and said hey let's also talk about as you're as you're going through the process which you literally are now of building out your team and adding pieces really figuring out what are the strengths of the team and, and how do we assess the strengths we talked about specifically strength finder uh, Myers-Briggs. We also talked about DISC uh, and just some of these different assessments that you can go through and, and the importance of doing those. Uh, one, for assessing your team, for finding strengths uh, so you can build off of those strengths, uh, know where your gaps are at, but also for communication so that you can communicate more effectively with each other as teammates um, as well. So then we, we left off and our, our legacy leaders know that in the next episode, boom, this one here, uh, now that we have, you know, those steps in place and you're going through the interviewing process, you know, what, what are some things that we should be thinking about? What are some, some elements that we should really be focusing on when we're going through the interviewing process to help us? It's not, definitely not a, an exact science uh, as, as much as we've done it and as good as you try to, you know, get at the skill of interviewing. Um, but as you're going through that process, you know, how do we make sure we know what the gaps are, how to make sure we're selecting the right people that are gonna help us fill those gaps and then help take the team to the next level. Um, so one of the things that you that you mentioned to me that I wanted you to unpack a little bit more is you said don't over-index, you know, kind of one way or the other. And you mentioned a few different areas which you shouldn't do that. So kind of talk to me a little bit about, again, you know, not over-indexing and as a leader, and I'm going through this process, how do i figure those things out
1: sure um so it's funny because like when i when i think about um the interview process um again everybody if you've been listening you know uh, 10 11 episodes in you know i am wired from a sports perspective and so i just i always think about it like i put on my um my ozzy newsom cap and I'm Mm -hmm. i'm a talent scout now you know what i mean i'm gonna go to this combine every interview is like a combine and i'm getting to 40 times i want to see how to jump i want to see you know the lateral movement all that stuff right but essentially you're assessing these various skills mm-hmm. right through this interview process and to your point it's not an exact science at all um in fact i would uh, argue that there's things that you learn over time as you get enough reps in and that you kind of see enough candidates and you go through this process and you learn and refine what you're evaluating for um, not only do you refine your Um, functional skills from an interviewing perspective, but you actually continue to refine your gut. And I do believe Mm -hmm. that gut plays a role in it as well. Um, In fact, I'm a firm believer just, you know, from a leadership perspective in general, um, I think sometimes we make the mistake as leaders of, as we grow and as we learn more stuff and get introduced to more information, we start to rely more and more on information and theories and data and less and less on our gut. And it's a mistake that honestly you can make because you have to remember that part of the reason why you even got to where you're at as a leader is because you've proven time and time again your gut to be right and so it's not ignoring your gut but it's about leveraging your gut instinct in conjunction with these other things Mm -hmm. to really be able to make the most effective decision right Um, but I think the first place it really starts when you're talking about like not over indexing um, for me is um, I think talent mix is one thing that's really important to kind of think about um, as you're building your team and uh, what I mean by that is you want to make sure that you have a healthy blend of internal and external um, talent within your team Uh, and for a couple of reasons right Um, I would say you know from a um, an external perspective you don't want to over index on internal talent because um, if the bulk of your team is promoted from within while the other some you know, benefits some tangible benefits from a morale perspective. Um, you really limit uh, your ability um, as an organization to keep up with the different ideas, innovations and just kind of train of thoughts that exist in the marketplace, right? Um, I think you know for you and I both as we've gotten a chance to meet other candidates, um, that come from different backgrounds, different walks of life, or you just start like um, attending conferences. I know that you've attended a couple learning development conferences, mm-hmm. and you start talking to other people in that space you start to realize like, oh man, there's a whole bunch of other stuff out there that people are doing or they're using to innovate that I wasn't even exposed to because I've been operating kind of in this incubator for my squad, right? And so um, being able to attract external talent allows you to get introduced to those concepts Mm -hmm. or those ideas um, and then incorporate them into your organization in a way that didn't exist before. Um, So I I think that's that's, uh, really important. Um, but on the flip side you don't want to over index from an external perspective either because uh, i've just seen it where you know the organization is uh hell-bent on uh, we only prom- you know we only hire people externally like even if you come in as a uh, as a uh, agent like there's really not an opportunity to work your way up because mm-hmm. you want to attract the external talent right um and so not only do you impact the the morale uh, of, of your organization because you have folks that. Um, have been with you for a long time, and they kind of see like, hey, there's not a there's not a way forward for me. <clears throat> um, but also, you um, you know, you you put at risk a little bit of the the institutional knowledge that's necessary um, in those rooms to be able to make effective decisions for the business. Like if I'm an external, like the situation I'm in right now, um, there's parts of the business that I have no understanding of or experiencing because i haven't learned it and i didn't Mm -hmm. come up through the ranks and so when it comes time for me to be able to make decisions for the organization or kind of to speak on how these things will impact those parts of the business i can't be the subject matter expert i have to tap somebody who's an internal and leverage their their um experience and together we're able to make a refined decision but if i didn't have internal talent to be able to pull from I'm going to be making those decisions absent of that experience, um, and that can be uh, pretty risky to do as well. So I would say, even before it starts, like you start interviewing a specific candidate, um, I think as a leader you have to really start thinking about, um, you know, your talent mix. Right? What is my current talent mix, and then. What am I trying to get after, right? If the bulk of my team is internal and maybe I don't have an internal candidate that is, you know, uh, clear cut above the rest and kind of I've been grooming and ready for that next step, Mm -hmm. like don't settle on just saying, well, we got to make sure that we hire somebody external or internally. Explore what the options are externally. Um, And I would say that's probably true now more so than ever in this environment, unfortunately or a lot of really talented individuals have been displaced or impacted because of you know furloughs and um, the impact that COVID has had on a, the business, on businesses, <clears throat> that some of that external talent that you may not have been able to attract or have been in the market for, that you actually have an opportunity to be br- able to bring them on board um, and introduce that train of thought to your organization. So you definitely owe it to yourself to explore it.
0: Yeah, that's why I was, you know, very excited with the instructional designer position I was looking to fill. Uh, Even going through this process a year ago, while we were very happy with the candidate that we landed on, I can just see the difference in the level of talent, the experience. Uh, I also knew that, you know, kind of going into it uh, again, just with the connections I've been able to make over the last year, It is unfortunate you just you know i see a lot of very talented instructional designers that um you know have been furloughed or just laid off uh, of work due to the circumstances that we've been experiencing over the last several months now um but again that was a good thing is that there's some really really talented people out there and you owe it to to yourself you owe it to the team you know as well and there's there's always you know that that healthy friction, when you're bringing somebody from the outside that has a different way of viewing things, has these different talents, these different experiences, and again, in a very healthy way, can can challenge our thought process and, and ask the right questions. Hopefully, you know, if we made the right decision, they're going to come in asking a lot of very thoughtful questions that maybe we haven't even thought of before. That again triggers some different thoughts, different perspectives, uh, and provides us a different path, you know, to to solutions that we hadn't considered before.
1: You no, you're spot on. Uh, I would also say the other thing too, cause you talk about, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, you talk about the healthy friction that exists. Um, I think it's important too, as a leader, um, for you to have clarity, mm-hmm. like, I think it's really important for you to have clarity and define what it is that you're looking for in the candidate um, before you even go through the interview process. Because as you go through that process, you're gonna have to manage some external pressures from different stakeholders that may be, um, you know looking to to uh you know close out recs as quickly as possible like you know, i'm just thinking about you know the experience mm-hmm. you and i have had um over the years right and um i love um you know the hr professionals i've had the opportunity to work with the recruiting and talent acquisition professionals i've had the opportunity to work with but i do think that at some t- sometimes um you know there's that risk aversion that they have because they want to make sure well hey we're going through this process you, you know this person is interviewed they're probably they're still on the market like If you like them then just make the decision like can we just hire them like you know and there's kind of that that urgency to say hey make a decision make a decision make a decision Um, but I I would I would just share with the with leaders and hiring managers people that are making those decisions to stay firm in what you've identified your needs are for your organization and to not settle because I think you know worse than than not making a a hire is making a bad hire Mm -hmm. right making a bad hire and we've all had to at one point or another throughout our career live through the ramifications of making the wrong hiring decisions and maybe because we've succumbed to the pressure of okay well I need to get staffed I need to bring somebody on board Um, right or yeah they're right yeah I I have been you know I've had a couple interviews and I still haven't found exactly what I want but like this is kind of close enough like if I had to settle Right. When you start to go through that justification in your mind or that rationalization in your mind, um, I would just say trust your gut and understand that, hey, there's maybe some danger there. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm all for making uh, giving people opportunities and making calculated risk, you know, and chances. Right. And saying, well, hey, this person, maybe they don't have 100 percent of these things, but some of the things they've been able to speak to or the competencies they've demonstrated and, you know, how they talked about how they would go about learning. Um, lead me to believe that hey this person is worth the investment and i know this is going to be a long haul project right um so i'm not saying we shouldn't you know take flyers from time to time um as a leader um and make investment in people that maybe do not have this long drawn out resume but that's different from settling and so it's important for you as a hiring manager you do not um acquiesce to that and you just Mm -hmm. kind of manage those expectations and um you know that pressure i hear you and yeah i hear you but at the end of the day i gotta live with this hiring decision um and um, i get for you like oh they've been through the interview process you know it's been two weeks now um right and we need to close loop and communicate with the candidates but you know uh, i'd much rather have them wait another week than to make the wrong hiring decision and then have to try and performance manage that person out over the year yeah and have to deal with all that and the impacts that it has on the business so um, please 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 um, hiring managers if you're listening or if you need validation or if you need <laughs> guidance we've all been through that struggle yep. as operators and i'm telling you again stay firm in what you're looking for and do not compromise um, because when you do that you create danger for yourself danger for the organization and it's hard to undo those things
0: one of the the one of the biggest decisions that you can make is who you bring on to your team and and you have to you have to protect that you know you you have to see kind of the the you know we always talk about from a training uh, perspective protecting uh, the sanctity of uh, the learning environment in the classroom but even with that team again you you know what it is you're looking for you know the makeup of the current team you know what you're trying to build um yeah you may have good candidates but you know i'm not looking just for good candidates i'm looking for great candidates uh and it, it is a partnership right between you know the operator and the hiring manager and the recruiter hr and sometimes you know there needs to be um some some healthy pushback and just challenging them. Like, no, this. I, I know what I'm looking for. Continue to work through your processes uh, or do like I did and jump in there and help as well and, and yeah. start posting stuff on LinkedIn and doing what you need to do to assist in that process, right? Uh, again, Absolutely. especially if you have, that's what those type of platforms are for, to network, to get to know people uh, and to make some of these processes a little bit easier if uh, if and when needed. So, But again, one of the, the most important decisions you can make is who you bring into your team, uh, so guard that because um, it, it's 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 very critical. And people are watching, especially in you know in your position uh, where you're still new, right? You're still new, and people are watching the decisions that you make and how you operate. Um, so it's always in any case it's always important. But definitely when you're in a new situation, um, people want to see you know how you how you think about those things, how you go about doing those things. I think even to a certain extent, are you going to hold true to that? Right. If you say, no, Mm -hmm. this is what I'm looking for. I'm going to wait. I'm going to make sure that we, you know, we find, um, again, not the the best or perfect candidate, but I'm going to find what I'm looking for. Are you going to hold to that? You know, when there's those external pressures that you mentioned earlier. So.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, um, and you know, we'll, we'll button this one up before we move on to the next one but i would just say kind of going back to my you know scouting analogy or whatever mm-hmm. right um a lot of, like for any organization whether you, when you get a new coach um you are tied forever to your very first draft pick
0: yep yeah and um
1: <laughs> you know what i mean and uh you know your fate your fate as a coach could you know be determined about you know by your ability to identify the right level of talent and that could impact the trajectory of your franchise for a while right so to your point and you know I've always shared this with uh, you know a lot of my leaders you know when I've talked to them about their hiring decisions because again um, I don't hire for you you, know, you pick your people you need to feel confident in your people and then if I'm just not satisfied with them you're gonna hear my mouth about it uh, right and if you made a great decision I'm gonna tell you how great your, your decision-making mm-hmm. was um, but I just what I was tell them like you really need to start thinking about what you're looking for because you send a message to your current direct reports and your peers and your support system, what you value as a leader by the very first hiring decision that you make, like people see that, right? And mm-hmm. so you send a message to them about what you value based off the very first hiring decision that you make. Um, and so um, just be given that that level of care and that level of diligence, and just understand yeah. that you will forever be tied uh, to this individual. Um, you know you know, in the decision that you made. So uh, you know, take it with that level of seriousness.
0: Yeah, for sure. So you, you know what you're looking for, you're going through, you know, kind of starting the process and then the the resumes start to come in. <laughs> yeah. You're taking a look at the resumes or even when you're you know you're getting ready to, to sit down and interview. You've already taken a look at the resume, but at least for me I always you know go over it again, start highlighting some specific things that maybe I want to ask um, you know, once the interview starts but you said that there were some specific things for you that you look for as you're going through the resume. So talk to me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, what I will say before I even dive into that is, um, for folks that are listening, um, I've, I don't know if you ran into this, but since we've started the podcast, I've had candidates for different roles that I've, I've been interviewing for uh, do their diligence as they should, and they've you know found us on LinkedIn, and then they start listening to the podcast, and then you know they start using this to get prepared. So if you're listening to this episode, you get the benefit of giving some insight into what I'm looking for, and so um, you know, kudos to you, you know, for doing your diligence. This is the benefit of preparation. So uh, congratulations um right but um some of the things that i really start to look for first for, foremost when i'm looking at a resume is i'm less concerned um you know, initially about the, the specific roles or the specific, the specific jobs that they held, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, recruiting is doing some of that, that vetting anyway, and when I look over it, I'm doing a quick pass to say, yeah, does this make sense? Like kind of what is their experience? Um, but really what I'm paying attention to first and foremost, <clears throat> and I know we talked about this in the last episode, the importance of communication, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really paying attention to like, how do they communicate, you know, in written? Like written communication so much of what we do is you know tied into not just verbal communication right but we're you know especially in this environment right we're sending skypes or um we're sending you know ims we're sending emails we're you know drafting uh, sops we're writing out processes we're doing all of this stuff right and so your written communication is extremely important and i think um your resume is kind of that 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 um, initial impression of hey um, this is how this is how i express myself in written form this Mm -hmm. is a summary of the things that i've that i've done or achieved and this is how i'm able to speak to my contributions right like i'm getting all of that from um, your resume so i pay a lot of attention to the written communication um so that's first and foremost and then i use that to make decisions or to to have an impression about this candidate right from a communication perspective Um, now written is not hundred percent of it because then you got the verbal so you have somebody who writes really good or maybe they use um, you know um, a resume service right or somebody like that so somebody's been able to kind of polish it up so that's great now how well do you actually speak to your accomplishments Mm -hmm. and the things that you've done Um, but I do use it as information The next thing is and I kind of talked about the fact that I don't put a lot of stock necessarily into like getting into the nitty gritty of the resume and those things, because I would expect that those things are coming to light through our discussion, Mm -hmm. right? And so um, one of the questions that I love to ask to kind of get it jump started is I'll ask somebody, hey, so I have your resume here in front of me. I've had an opportunity to review it. Um, before but I think it'd be really helpful if you just kind of walk me through your experiences and how did you get to where you're at and um, the various positions that you've held, right Um, and I love that question because I feel like it's really telling for a couple of reasons Um, one even if this person is just walking through their experiences as they're telling you their story of how they got to where they're at they're also exposing to you um, how they make decisions right what do they value Um, in in a role in an opportunity right Um, what do they gravitate towards and then obviously some of the things that they've accomplished so I'm able to hear not only are you able to speak to your accomplishments but more importantly how do you go through the decision-making process when you're making arguably one of the most important decisions you can make in your career which is what is your next opportunity Mm -hmm. right who do you decide to what do you decide to take on who do you decide to tie your your talent to All of those things, right? And so, when I hear people expressing that, hey, they pursued you know a position because um, it paid more money, right? (coughs) That's information. (coughs) Excuse me. That's information. When I hear people express that, um, you know, they wanted to get you know diversity in their experiences, right? That's information. When I hear people say that they you know they gravitate towards roles where. Um, They want to help or they they can provide support for brand new employees that you know are you know Maybe struggling or transitioning for the first time in this industry. That's information, right? And so the more information that you get the better you're able to make decisions and start to um, Compare that to the existing makeup of your team How does that fit into the motivations of my my team? How does that fit into the overall vision that I've laid out for the team? How does that uh, fit into maybe where we're currently at in the organization. Maybe I have somebody who, um, you know, their mindset is, um, hey, I go where the money's at. You know what I mean? And so I'm, I'm bouncing around from position to position until I find the money. I'm not mad at that. If mm-hmm. that's been working for you, do you, right? But for me, I may not be in a position um, as an organization to be able to, uh, one, either compete from a financial perspective, mm-hmm. um, you know, or two, be able to um, fulfill that that hunger of always chasing down the money, especially if I know this is going to be a long-term uh, build, right? This is going to be a long-term project, and so I'm—you're probably going to realistically be in this role for about a year and a half to two years. That's what I have in my mind for um, your development, right? For anybody that's in this role, um, and so if you're accustomed to, uh, you know, I'm looking for like you know six to nine months, and then I'm on to the next. It may we may not be a good fit for one another. It's not. It's not anything bad about you or anything bad about me. It's just you also have to take into consideration, um, do what I do. Does the position that I have to offer meet the needs of this candidate as well? Because I wanted to be a good fit. I don't want to bring you into the organization under false pretenses, and then when you get here, it's like, uh, yeah, all that stuff that you thought was probably. going to happen or possibility and you said that you valued yeah i knew from the jump that i couldn't meet those needs but you're really really talented and so i just wanted to wing in and see if i can get you to at least stay for a while like because even if that may be the case what quality of work are you going to receive from that individual so i just think it you know you got to use all that information and so you get a lot from just asking people to walk you through their their story um and you know i'd never forget um I never forget. I don't know if it was my, my pops who said it. I think my pops did t- pass this on to me. I don't know who he got it from, but I remember even as a, as a, you know a youngin, my pops used to tell me, man. Um, you know, you gotta. Whenever you're talking with people or interacting with people, man, you you just gotta you gotta talk to them about their favorite subject. And I'm like, how do I know what somebody's favorite subject is? Like, I'm just meeting him for the first time. He's like, bro, everybody got always the same them. favorite subject. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's them. <laughs> I said, asking questions about themselves. that will give you a lot of information, right? Like, um, everybody's favorite subject is themselves, and mm-hmm. so um, that's just always stood with me. So I always start the the interview off by say, hey, walk me through your experiences and how did you get to where you're at you know because people love to tell their story and I'm, honestly I'm enamored by it I want to hear it and use the information to make an effective hiring decision
0: so two things uh, that I wanted to say after that um kind of giving you guys uh some cheat codes out there uh at least if you're interviewing with ivana myself um, <laughs> but for the folks that are listening when you're when you're telling your story again we want to hear a story we have the resume in front of us so just kind of going well you know when i first started i did this and then i did this and that like that's that's obvious right it's evident on uh the the document that you provided us so tell the story like you said focus on the things that that you are most passionate about but also learn how to tell a story it's so powerful to it's a skill to be able to do that when you're influencing people, when you're trying to communicate a message, uh, as a leader, as a facilitator, uh, as a salesperson, really in all of these different, uh, you know, spaces that you might find yourself in, being able to really tell a story and have somebody feel uh, that the ins and outs and the different parts of that and where you're coming from, I think it's just it's it's always a powerful thing. Again, when you're trying to influence somebody and we're, we're both doing that, right? I mean, they're, they're definitely obviously trying to influence us. So the better you get at those skills in, in interviewing, the better chance you're going to, you're going to have. Um, but to a certain extent, we're trying to, to sell ourselves. Cause you, you mentioned you want to make sure that it is a good fit for both parties. You know, I think about the, uh, the Venn diagram, cause that's been coming up in some conversations I've had recently over the last few weeks. And, uh, So, you know, you're really taking a look at what is it that as an individual you're most passionate about. And then, you know, what are those skills that you bring to the table? So what are the things that you're truly, truly competent in? And then what are the needs of the business? Right. So uh, in this in this particular position we're looking to fill some spots we have needs that we have as a leader as a team as a company you know does this person have the right type of passion and do they have the right type of skills and competencies where we can bring them in and we feel like it is going to be a really really good fit so for that person they would find themselves if you look at those three circles within that sweet spot where they're getting paid right they have a job they're happy about that but more importantly they're very passionate about the work that you're allowing them to do uh, and they have a a very um, you know decent level a high level the uh, of competency within the skills they bring to the table Um, so helping you know as a leader and going through the interviewing process thinking about those things as well you may find somebody who you know from the conversation and everything that you can see like they might be a really really great candidate but to your point if they're looking to move on in six to seven months and you know that's just not the plan that we have as great of a talent and skill set they may bring to the table you know that it's not going to be right for your plan it's not going to be right for your team and what you're trying to accomplish um so continue to work that process until you find something that's going to be good for you and good for them as well so it's a win-win for both parties
1: no, absolutely absolutely
0: so get really good at storytelling, y'all. It's a good, it's a good skill to have for sure. Um, so a lot of a lot of rightly so. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation, um, more so over the last you know few months about diversity and inclusion, um, and you know when when that conversation comes up, people tend to to speak about it kind of from a a certain perspective or coming at it from a particular place, um, which, you know, we definitely don't disagree with, right? I mean, when you, when you're looking at a leadership team, um, you would hope that there's diversity in, um, in what you see and uh, the, the experiences, the, the color of folks and where they come from and their education and things like that, um but you also had kind of a a different perspective as well when you think about diversity and inclusion. Uh, So I was interested to, for me to hear a little bit more about that, but obviously to share with our legacy leaders kind of where you're coming from in regards to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. So um, this is something that honestly, you know, I've just been able to um, continue to educate myself on and Mm -hmm. just kind of refine over time and talk to um, individuals who are in the kind of the diversity and inclusion space. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they really, um, study, practice, advise, consult organizations on these type of things. Right? Um, I think uh, you kind of called out <clears throat> a lot of time the knee-jerk reaction when you're thinking about diversity and inclusion is to think, okay, so we're talking about um, you know ethnicity, your know, racial. We're talking about gender. We're talking about orientation, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, we're talking about um, age. So I need to make sure that you know I'm, I'm, I have a mix of those those things, right? <clears throat> And to your point, yeah, your, your leadership team, your organization should reflect, it should be a mirror of the community, it should be mm-hmm. a mirror of um, those that you're entrusted to steward, right? Um, I think the more that you are able to uh, identify individuals from those kind of diverse walks of life and those diverse backgrounds and put them into the necessary spaces where they can bring those thoughts and those perspectives to the table, the organization is better for it um, mm-hmm. i just think um again uh you know organizations and leaders we act to be honest with you we deliver our best product our best version of leadership through collaboration and shared thought and diversity of thought right uh, but outside of the traditional you know again you know gender orientation you know racial age mm-hmm. um, diversity it's also about diversity and experiences and I think that's really the one that gets looked over from time to time Um, even if you are the most you know diverse and inclusive organization that's one of the things I think that we kind of miss on as hiring leaders or hiring managers um, is the diversity and experiences and I think that's really helpful like um, I think about um, you know just myself uh, and, you know, what I bring to the table, we have a good friend of ours, uh, you know Rico, shout out Rico. Rico is a learning development professional for Facebook, and mm-hmm. um, we both have had a hand in um, a little bit of his development. He, you've had a big role in his development and get him on the learning development path. Um, and so to see him kind of blossom and grow has been, um, you know, just amazing, yeah. amazing for all of us, man. Um, so shout out Rico, um, I know he's listening. Um, and also, we probably need your help with some of this uh, podcast stuff. See if you can help <laughs> us out with some animated videos. Or teamwork, like man. Teamwork. 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 Social media consultant. You know <laughs> I
0: mean? Holla at Zuckerberg.
1: Holla at Zuckerberg for us. Um, but uh, you yeah, know, I think about you know his background and kind of you know my experiences and you know my background, or um, you know even you know my brother-in-law. Um, again, you know he's uh, you know has a, just a diverse a different background than i we're both around the same age right all of us are around the same age all three of us uh, both of us are african-american males um, right so similar generation so we like similar things right and we kind of had similar up you know upbringings from that perspective but um i think about me myself personally like i i experienced high school i went to a private school um, in orlando i had the opportunity coming out of middle school to um, play sports and Um, that gave me the 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 chance to um, have my education paid for this private school and um, you know uh, I think about the value that that experience offered me because um, when you talk about diverse experiences right here I am attending uh, you know one of the the most well-known you know private schools in the central Florida area and I'm going to school with uh, bruh so i I'm, I'm going to school with like uh ken griffey jr's kids uh grant hill's kids um doc rivers kids um you know uh, thurman thomas's kids um john talley's kids wow right um you know uh, just a, a a bunch of you know very well-off well off individuals we'll just put it that way right not not just athletes right but you know people who come from the financial sector people who um, are bank executives and run their own businesses right um you know and so i'm um <clears throat> i'm in you know multi-million dollar homes and stuff like that right and here i am you know the son of a financial aid assistant and a, cor- a correction officer right in those same rooms mm-hmm. um and you know, for me, I had the opportunity, I was fortunate enough to have the experience of talking to, you know, very wealthy uh, individuals, multimillionaires, as a teenager, you know what I mean? And so um, I can't discredit the value that those experiences um, created for me as I moved on in my life and I started to, you know, be in boardrooms and sit across from, you know, uh, venture capitalist firms and have, you know, have to engage in those discussions about my business well, there was no intimidation on my part because I've been talking to you know very well off people or you know very educated people since you know I was a teenager, mm-hmm. like learning how to drive, right? And so there's a lot of value in those experiences in comparison to maybe somebody like Rico or um, somebody like my brother-in-law who went to public school, and my sister, hell, even my sister. My sister and I are two years apart. My sister went to a public school, um, right? And so um, it's not that one is you know, better or worse. There were skill sets that she developed, to be honest with you, um, that were, um, you know, more valuable and better in some respects than some of the skill sets I developed, right? Um, I just think about um, the autonomy that she had to have um, as a sophomore, junior, and a, and a senior, versus somebody like myself, I'm going to a private school. They pride themselves on their graduation rate. So, um, you know, yeah, my sophomore, my junior year, there's parts of the year like I had my handheld to make sure my, you know, my assignments were getting done, and people were double checking on me. And mm-hmm. I had an abundance of resources versus my sister. You're one of, you know, 2,000, you know, or something like that. Like you're one of uh, hundreds and hundreds in your graduating class. So like, if you want it, go get it. And if you don't want it, well, all right we got more people coming in right so yeah um, I think just those diversity and experiences um, people bring with them to the table right and um, I think you can't discredit that um, you know it allows you to um, just have again just diverse thoughts and perspectives when you're making big decisions um, you know the fact that you know I you know, I bring to the table but just like you we bring to the table experience traveling around the country and having to do drop-ins and, you know, do performance consultation or roll-out training, mm-hmm. right? So imagine what you're bringing to the table or bringing to a, 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 a space, right, a, a space a leadership team when you have that experience of having to drop-in, interact with people you've never met before, get buy-in, get influence, get them to adopt the behavior, and you have a week, a week and a half to do that. Yeah. And then you're flying back out, and there has to be embedment well obviously that brings a different level of value to the table than the individual whose only learning development experience has been face to face in a four-walled environment and that's the extent of how they've been able to train right and so i think um, it's important when you think about diversity it's also trying to amass diversity in experiences Uh, people who have worked for us you know some of them you know um, the major you know uh um, you know, fortune you know 500 100 companies mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of value in bringing people like that to the table but there's also a hell of a lot of value in bringing people who have had to build startups from scratch to the table too because that entrepreneurial experience is a lot different than stepping into an environment that's already buttoned up and you know, you're know you having to navigate the complexity of a large organization um and so even within the team that i have today you know um, there's a lot of diversity in experiences you know one of uh you know, one of the leaders that I have in my organization I've been extremely impressed with, you know, he comes from that kind of small startup type background, you know what I mean? He's working for an organization that um, they had to build out a call center, it's probably at most like 100 heads, and it was onshore and then it was offshore, so he had to travel to the Philippines um, in order to help them with their call center operations, and he was responsible for it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so in the um, totality of his leadership scope, he's led maybe about 110 people right Um, and then you look at um, you know some other folks that I have on my team that have come from you know Amazon eBay uh, you know Virgin right Um, these individuals have led you know you know 200 300 people in their down chain there's a difference in experience multiple you know multiple sites large BPO's that operate across the world right there's a difference in their experiences versus his experiences and both are extremely yeah. valuable when you mix them together right and so um i think it's important when you're looking to create a diverse um team again you're not just focused on solely the you know the, the how people look right or um you know people's preferences and stuff like that you know um you again you want to make sure that your organization is a mirror of the community but um, you also really start to think about the diversity experiences oh, okay i got somebody who's worked for a large company i got somebody who's worked for a startup right so they're both going to have different perspectives and when we're making decisions on how we handle stuff or roll stuff out they're both going to be able to bring something to the table that's going to allow us to produce the best product possible
0: Hmm. no that's good that's good yeah it's it's you know i think that's getting back to kind of the last section right before this you know the importance of telling your story because if you're that candidate sitting in there how are you able to tell the story of these experiences? Again, you don't know the experiences of of the different candidates, or maybe the other people that you know this this leader, this potential boss has on the team. But how do you tell that story and allow those experiences to come to light and have confidence in that? Have confidence in in, in what I've done and how that's led me to the point I'm at today. Because um, to your, there's just there's so many, you know, so much different value in. Uh, Those examples that you just provided, you know, somebody who's maybe worked in a very small call center, uh, as opposed to somebody else working at a much, much larger company. Um, And then how, as a leader, how do you pull from all of those different experiences and and take advantage of that? Uh, So, yeah, it's definitely an important, again, kind of different view when you think about diversity. Um, not just diversity in some of the the key things that we typically think about, but also that diverse uh, experience that we all have that we bring to the table and just the different personalities and with those experiences, how that makes this person unique and makes them the individual that they are.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I just, I, again, I, I think, and it's funny because you're talking about the importance of telling your story. Um, I would say that the thing that a lot of people sleep on uh, over and over again is they sleep on what they've done. Yeah. You know what i mean like um i think a lot of our listeners can relate to this we have all had experiences doing a lot of really impressive stuff that is not in our job title Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean like so just the the title itself is not going to be able to tell you the full story um that's why it is on the candidate to be able to tell their story and kind of really give you a totality of all the things that they've done Um, but you also have to be open to that as a as a uh, leader as you're trying to get these diverse experiences um being open to the fact that hey you know just because their experience may not be traditionally what i would look for it doesn't mean that they haven't there's not value in some of that diverse experiences there's individuals that i've interviewed that um you know i know we're talking a little bit about contact centers because you know that's the space that we kind of operate in right now but there's been people that have applied for contact center positions for me that i've made a decision to hire that have no contact center experience They come from traditional retail, but as they've told their story, there's areas where I can see the competencies translate effectively, Mm -hmm. right, where, oh, you've, um, you know, right now everybody's trying to find people who have managed in remote environments, so when I'm dealing with somebody who was a regional um, store manager and had several stores across the, you know, greater South Florida area and so how do you they're essentially ensuring that there's consistency and processes and sales and experience and you know the whole nine in these areas that they're not traveling to right so how do you make sure that the thing that's happening in Vero Beach is the same thing that's happening in Hollywood or hallelujah mm-hmm. right like how are they using technology how are they engaging with their folks how they're ensuring consistency and those competencies translate into the contact center space because leadership is leadership, right? Um, and so it's also on you, as the hiring manager, to be open again to those diverse experiences and not just go in saying, "Well, they need to have the same experiences that I've had, right? You need to have worked in some type of BPO space. You need to have, you know, you you should have come from a traditional uh, L and D position and worked your way up from trainer to instructional to all these different things, right? Like. Um, or you know, they need to have instructional designer in their title. I mean, i would know, be real with you. Uh, like I think about you, for example, bro. Your your title nowhere near encompasses all the things that we've been able to partner on. You know, how, you know, alone, let alone the stuff that you've been able to to do outside of our relationship. You mm-hmm. know, we've um, we've handled recruiting stuff. You've literally you've done ID work for me you've you know created videos content curriculum facilitator guides pgs and if you look at your title you're really just responsible by title for ensuring consistency and facilitation you know what i mean and so if i only looked at your title and didn't really hear your story and hear those diverse experiences i wouldn't know all the things you bring to the table and really understand the value and oh yeah you know he doesn't have instructional designer in uh on as a role that he's worked in but all the work he's done is id work yeah <laughs> uh so yeah he would be a good fit for this role you know what i mean so uh again the ownership is definitely on the candidate to tell their story um but also for you as a hiring manager to be open to those diverse experiences that may not align with traditionally what you would think somebody um you know uh, that you're going to hire should have uh in their resume um so yeah.
0: yeah i think it's it's important for the leader to know and and really this is what we've been conversating about over the last few episodes is I'm not just looking for specific bullets on a resume. I know what skills I'm looking for. I know what competencies I'm looking for. I know what type of, um, of characteristics and and values, you know, that that I'm looking for within a, a particular candidate that speaks volumes, um, more so than what's just on the resume itself. Um, so being able to to sift through this story and say, okay, again, I'm not being close-minded into, you know, looking for somebody that has this specific experience, but being able to listen and really hear uh, them tell their story and again speak to those different things. Uh, even when I was going through, you know, within the last few weeks, the uh, interviewing for instructional designer, someone had reached out to me, uh, a candidate that was interested, and and this is happening uh, a lot. I believe these days, just from what I'm able to to see and observe, uh, you have a lot of folks that are in typical educational roles, like teachers, and they're trying to move into that instructional design space. Uh, and this person kind of fit that mold, um, and you know K through twelve a- educator, and you know was looking to be an instructional designer. So if if they didn't have a connection that was able to reach out to me and they just sent their resume into the, the recruiter, based on what you know, typically I said, the recruiter may not have sent that person over to me. Um, but you, know, you, you talked earlier about being able to, to communicate through the resume. One thing that, that I didn't say earlier that to me is very important as well is yes, how you articulate what you're trying to say on the resume, uh, but also the creativity you know that you use to display those things especially if you talk about learning and development and instructional design so as i i reviewed the resume but more importantly saw this individual's online portfolio and some of the things that they were able to do like I realized, no, this person has, they have some skills. At least I see enough that I want to talk to them. Like, let's get the interview going and let me be able to hear their story and hear a little bit more about their passions and what's leading them down this path. Uh, So, you know, so I can make a a, a much more educated decision than just looking at the resume itself. Um, And then, you know, it was, you know, just thinking about some of the experiences that it was just really cool, you know, seeing a connection post something about somebody that they know, and you, know, you see this little you know, piece of uh, micro learning content, and then you start following that person, you, you uh, go to the Instagram account and see some of the work that they're doing that has nothing to do with instructional design, but they're using those skill sets really as a marketer, you know, on, online and on Instagram. Uh, and especially when you're talking about what we do, whether it's, you know, engagement initiatives, whether it's learning initiatives and projects. Being able to market these things is hugely important, you know, to get people interested, to get them excited. Uh, and then you deliver it and then continue some of that, you know, that drip marking before and afterwards to, to get the abedment and sustainment. And again, whatever this project or initiative is. So having those skill sets. Uh, are are huge value but mm-hmm. that's that might not be something that you're going to put on your resume so again being able to to speak to those things um creatively uh is it's it's just going to bolt well for the individual who is again who's looking to to maybe get on Devon's team you know uh <laughs> yeah, for sure. or on my team when when the opportunity presents itself um definitely looking to to solidify that uh in the future too so um, so, man, we've been able to to knock out a couple of different aspects, you know, really starting to, to kind of tie up very nicely with the bow, these conversations that we've been having over the last uh, few episodes. So you know, at the beginning, you talked about making sure that you're not over indexing you know, what you're looking for. You know, I'm not gonna over-index internal candidates, which is very good for morale. Uh, You know, you have, especially depending on how long they've been there, there's that institutional knowledge that you can take advantage of, uh, and then not over-indexing on the other end and saying, well, you know, yeah, we have these folks that have been here, but all of the new spots are gonna be filled with external candidates. We talked about articulation uh, in in written communication, also bringing some creativity to that. and if you need some some assistance, uh, please look for it. I mean, definitely Google, right, is always there for you to 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 be able to research and see, you know, the, the different styles of, of resumes these days to help you stand out in you know the sea of three, four. I've seen 700 people apply to roles. You know, so how do you help yourself uh, stick out? Uh, well again be, bringing creativity to how you communicate those things on your resume is going to be a uh, huge benefit to you and then once you've landed the opportunity to be able to get into the interview how do you go about telling your story because you might have somebody like Devon who says hey can i just tell me your story can i tell me you know how you how you got to this point and what led you uh here and then you know for the leaders out there looking to build teams again thinking about you know that diversity in um, again, not just the typical things that we may look at, uh, gender, age, ethnicity, but also taking a look at the diversity and experiences that we all bring to the table and how important that is to uh, when you're looking to uh, to fill gaps. And, again, really add the right components and the right pieces. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. You know, as a leader, one of the most important decisions you can make and it's just critical is who you bring to your team and who you add to your team. Um So continue to think about those things Uh, what we have you know for you guys uh, as we move into next week as well we're going to continue this uh this path but really kind of take it from a a different perspective we wanted to talk more for our legacy leaders about you know being a leader and, and what we're looking for when we're trying to to make those decisions and and add people to our team Well, what if you are sitting on the other side of that table and and you're the person being interviewed uh, as we go into our next uh, mentored by adversity episode, which is going to be episode number 12. Our next guest is going to be Daylin Perez, um, and she is owner and CEO of. Uh, a company that does does just that—that that helps people with their resumes and interviewing skills. Uh, the Professional Pantry. Uh, so we are very excited about bringing her on and giving her an opportunity. Number one, to hear about her story uh, and you know diversity that she's been through and how that has developed the leader that she is today. Uh, but also give her an opportunity to provide uh, just a few tips to our folks out there again who might find themselves you know in that spot where they're looking for that next opportunity right now, uh, whether they're secure in a job, but again, I just find trying to find that next opportunity within or externally uh, or, you know, one of those individuals who are um, just out of work right now, you know, like so many uh, Americans today and are looking, you know, for that next spot to secure for themselves and, and um, kind of get themselves back on track with that. So definitely looking forward to that as we're looking uh, forward to that next episode. Uh, and again episode 12 and our next really the third installment of uh mentored by adversity mba series yes i can't wait man i can't wait so for our legacy leaders uh we started with this and we're going to end with this three things that we're asking you to do number one subscribe subscribe like leave a comment hit the little bell the alert bell so you always know when we're dropping uh our new videos and vlogs out there for you uh Step number two, take that screenshot. Whether you're listening to us on the podcast or you're watching on the YouTube channel, hit the button, take a screenshot, post that on Instagram, and then tag us at Legacy Leadership, at Coach underscore Jimmy G Jr., uh, at Leadership Docents, uh, and leave us some comments as well. Uh, again, we just want to be able to hear from you, know that you're listening, know that you're out there. Um, we like the feedback. You know, we love talking and putting the content <laughs> out there and providing value. That's uh true. You know but when we get the feedback and we hear back from you guys especially if you take that extra step of love uh and do some screenshots and share that on, on instagram just let us know that you are out there that you are listening and again that you truly are getting value from the conversations that we're having and in doing so share share with uh, other friends and family uh whether that's on instagram uh, on linkedin on facebook we're everywhere we're on twitter um and definitely on you know all of the major podcast platforms uh share with friends and family and then share with other leaders that are seasoned we have a lot of seasoned you know uh leaders and veterans in the game in the corporate game that uh we've been getting good feedback from again good reminders and different perspectives and if you're new you know to to leadership and you're you're growing and you're developing obviously we're here for you as well uh so make sure that you're sharing that with leaders that you know and folks that are looking to be a leader worth following and then taking it to that next level and helping others uh, and develop and helping them to do the same so that we all can leave a legacy for generations to come. So on Absolutely. that note, we thank you guys very much for riding with us. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And until next time, this is Jimmy Gonzalez Jr. and my co-host Anthony Devon Watch Jr. Take care, everybody. God bless and stay encouraged.
1: Thank you. that be going Just listen to the Legacy and Leadership Podcast, hosted by Jimmy Gonzalez and Devon Watts. Thank you, and we hope that you live, lead, and lead a legacy worth remembering. Until next time.